Welcome again to Anton Knows. I'm your host, Anton, that host with the most. We're going back to the TARDIS again. This is episode 24. This is part three of Tom Baker years. Yes, Tom Baker was the doctor the longest. That is why this is a lot to talk about. This will be a shorter one because this is the Key to Time series. Okay, let's get right into it, all right? Mary Tam joins the doctor as Romana. She's a time lady, and we get Canine Mark II, because at the end of Invasion of Time, the doctor is holding a box saying Canine Mark II. Now, here's what happens. The Ribus Operation. Ribus Operation is a story where, at first, we get an introduction to this entire storyline. This is the first Doctor Who story arc. Long before Bad Wolf or before any of the stuff in the modern series, this is, was the first one. Okay? In this story, the Doctor is summoned by the White Guardian. So there's a White Guardian and there's a Black Guardian. The White Guardian represents the good guys, just like in the cowboy days, black hats and white hats. And the black guardian represents the bad guys, okay? So the doctor is summoned by the white guardian and says, you have to go on this mission for me. You have to find this segments of the key to time that are traveled throughout the uh, universe. And you have to go find them. And you have to reassemble the, the key to time into this perfect cube. And no being should ever have it because it's one of the most ultra-powerful things in the universe. So beware the Black Guardian. Okay? So the doctor at first says, what if I say I don't want to do this? The White Guardian says, nothing will happen to you. You mean nothing will ever happen? You mean nothing will happen to me? And the White Guardian says, yes, nothing ever. Oh. So the doctor meets his assistant and... He doesn't really care much for Romana. She's this big, tall girl. It's very intimidating. And she has this long, complicated name. And he says, look, he says, I got to call you a Romana. It's Romana or Fred. And Romana's like, call me Fred then. And Romana's like, okay, Romana, let's go. So in this story, before we get to the key to time uh, segment, it is hidden inside a uh, heavily guarded fortress on this planet. Rebros, and there's these two con artists. They want to break in there, too, because they want to steal uh, the crown jewels that are in there. But there's a, a wicked general who's gone kind of gone crazy. He wants the Foy allyship so that he can get back to his former glory and have this big uh, battle. There's also a really nasty uh, creature in there that guards the thing at night. Of course, where is the first segment of the key to time? It's in there. So the doctor and the con artists eventually uh, break in and, and get it and find the uh, key to time. And off they go on their next adventure. Now, this is probably my favorite. And if you're a Douglas Adams fan like I am, who love The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you probably would love this too. This was one of his first stories that was actually used. He tried once before with an episode called The Ark in Space, and unfortunately, they were doing an episode called Ark in Space. So he went, oh, never mind. So he redeveloped it, and that became the Pirate Planet. 
So this evil captain is very bolsterous and screams and yells, says, why, why are all the sky demon and all this uh, uh, bolstering that he says? And he has this fellow named Mr. Fibrine, right? And he wants, uh, he has this giant planet that is like a giant fist, as the doctor describes it. So the doctor and Romana are headed for a planet called Scarifrax, which is cold, wet, and miserable, probably one of the most miserable planets in the universe. And we find out that it is, in fact, the next segment of the key to time. The whole planet is. And it gets grinded into dust by this giant uh, pirate planet. So the doctor goes, you commit, he goes, what's it for? If you commit murder and mass destruction on a scale that's inconceivable, just because you've conceived a well-conceived toy. It's a great uh, a conversation or argument that he has with the uh, captain. And uh, there's some pretty nasty stuff. Like, there's a great cliffhanger. It says, it's a simple concept. You go to the end of this. It's called the plank. You go to the end of it. You drop off dead. But there's a lot of other weird stuff going on. Of course, they find the next segment of the key to time. They defeat the uh, captain and his guards. And uh, these guys called Mintiads that are really actually very good. And these uh, other... Uh, uh, people who have no idea that they're on a planet that's traveling through space. So it's pretty cool. They've done that concept before in science fiction, but this is how they did it on Doctor Who. Next is, uh, oh, and his next target, Earth. So uh, the next is the Stones of Blood. The Stones of Blood takes place on Earth, and they go to Stonehenge. There's these mysterious aliens called uh, Ogre, and the Ogre need plasma or blood. So anybody that just happens to run into their uh, that, if they touch the stones, they get uh, drained of all their blood. So there's this girl, you think that she's a human being, but really she's an alien, and she's escaped from a prison ship that she is held in stasis in hyperspace, above Stonehenge. The doctor eventually finds this out with Romana, and there's this really clever uh, older woman. The doctor said she was great. She would, he would love to have her as a companion. So uh, the doctor is put on trial because he broke the seals of these justice machines, the uh, Magave. The Magave are just these like shimmering shapes, and eventually the doctor... Uh, uh, helps defeat, proves that the girl is who she says she is, and defeats the Ogre. The doctor is going to be put on trial, but he sends them back to where they're supposed to go for all this time. Uh, off they go. The doctor wears a wig like they do in court in Great Britain. It's very funny. Then the answer to Tara. I love the beginning of this episode. The doctor goes on a fishing trip. He more or less... Packs up his stuff, goes ready to get a uh, fishing trip. He says, this is my 150th t day off. You look it up. A Time Lord can do that. And I'm going fishing. So he goes off to catch fish while him and K-9 do So Armana says, well, i got to find the next segment. He says, you go find it. So she finds it. She finds it one, two, three. But then there's intrigue. There's these, uh, like, rebels who are trying to help the real prince. 
and this evil uh, count, this duke, this, this, ca- this count, he wants the duke's power. So he holds him in his dungeon, and there's a double of the first Romana. So she plays a dual role as well. That comes in uh, handy later, by the way. So the doctor builds an android version of the, of the prince so that he can make an address and extend his kingship. And he uh, does. And at the end, uh, they find the next segment. They defeat the uh, count. And the doctor walks back to the TARDIS and says, and I didn't catch one fish, not just one. And then the power of Krull. The power of Krull is about these uh, Earth guys who are drilling for natural gases. And it's basically about, like, how we're, you know, interring on people who live there naturally and live it with nature. And they, these green aliens, worship a giant creature that lives under the swamp, a giant squid. Guess what? It swallowed the next segment dedicated time. So in order to use the tracker, the doctor eventually has to have this thing giant rather than attacks these gas rigs. These swampies get attacked. There's a bad guy selling uh, uh, the swampies faulty weapons. They almost get killed by this giant squid. But they eventually get the next segment and off they go. And then finally, in conclusion, the Armageddon factor. What's interesting about the casting in this story, if you've ever seen the uh, 80s classic American Werewolf in London, the man who plays the psychiatrist in uh, that story uh, is in this playing the marshal. The doctor finds two planets at war, a war that doesn't seem to end. Nuclear, uh, they're firing missiles at each other, they defend against each other, and they also find a princess who is the seventh princess. And she happens to be the princess that is the uh, next segment to the key to time. So she's uh, being held prisoner, and this prince wants to rescue her. And they go to this other planet, and they find this other planet is inhabited by this bad guy called the Shadow. Remember I said the black hats and the white hats? He represents the the, uh, Dark Guardian. The Dark Guardian wants to get his hands on the key to time. So the Doctor eventually ends the war and gets the segment. He has to turn the princess into the segment and puts all the key to time together. And then the Black Guardian disguises the White Guardian wants to give, uh, to give me the key to time. But the Doctor commands that the key to time goes back to where all the places where it went so the Black Guardian can never get it. You shall die for this, Doctor. I shall hunt you for all creation. I shall find you. And the Doctor's like, oh, you're just some intergalactic uh, bozo, you know, doing that. So the Doctor invents the randomizer, a device that allows them to just travel with no way of knowing where they're going. So that's the next one. In the end, Mary Tam leaves the show. She regenerates and becomes the next Romana. And it's the same actress who played the princess in, in this. What's up next? Well, we go to East Space. We meet all kinds of other aliens. Old enemies return. Douglas Adams becomes the new uh, script editor for Doctor Who. The most heavily rated Doctor Who episode ever watched. And probably one of the best.
John Cleese makes an appearance on Doctor Who. Yes? That's next time on Anto Knows. See you then.